And what's up, everybody, and welcome to the TJ Bowser Power Hour. This is your host with the most, TJ Bowser, and joining me today is writer, actor, director, Vincent Desani. Yeah, one of those. One of those, of those. All of those things, the trifecta. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? Pretty good. How are you? So, uh, what, what's your uh, what's your week like? My week, um, yeah. it's just been kind of getting ready for the launch of Never Hike in the Snow and uh, promoting our Indiegogo, which is going because we have one last opportunity for uh, fans to get their name in the credits. Um, so we have that open until September 14th on Indiegogo. If you go to any of our uh, Womp Stomp films, W-O-M-P-S-T-O-M-P-F-I-L-M-S social media pages, you'll see links to our trailer for Never Hike in the Snow, which was releasing on October 13th. Um, and we're in the final preparations of that now. It's in post-production. So, you know, this week I'm looking at first pass, sound mix, sound design, um, color pass, music started last week. Um, and yeah, so we're just basically kind of marrying everything together should be done by the end of the month. And it should take a couple of, uh, couple of weeks to just kind of, you know, get it over to the next thing, upload everything, put in all the information, do some, uh, subtitles. So all that fun stuff, uh, in preparation for the 13th. And then hopefully we'll be launching uh, Tuesday evening on October 13th, uh, with no technical issues and just letting people enjoy Friday the 13th, uh, on a Tuesday. Absolutely. So we got a couple questions for you today, and then we're, uh, we're going to go cool. to uh, some viewer questions. So first, planning to film in the snow has to be a difficult as weather is unpredictable. What was it yeah. like setting up a shooting schedule for Never Hike in the Snow? Um, it was a lot of luck. Um, we were going to originally shoot in December, and then we raised a little bit more money than we originally intended on, so we expanded upon the film. And after doing that, uh, then visual effects needed more time to get ready. We had actually just got hit with a snowstorm. So it was like, oh, cool. It's going to be a nice winter storm kind of season. Like, we'll just ride that out. And then I went to go shoot 13 Fanboy in uh, January. And we were getting ready to shoot in February. And when we did that, we went through like eight weeks of drought. There was no snow. There was no rain. Everything melted. Uh, we went up and did a scout. There was barely anything up there. And I was like, we are in trouble. We're going to have to change the name of the film. And then leading into the week of production, you know, because the story was the same. The story would have remained the same, mm -hmm. but um, we wouldn't have had as much fun with the snow. And luckily, the week of snow report came in. We we're going to have a storm that weekend. And we were literally just like straddling like call times of being like, if the snow comes at 3 a.m., like it says, like we're getting up at 3, we're going to go out and <laughs> chase the sunrise, and then we're going to do that. If it comes at the afternoon, we're going to shift everybody to the afternoon, so we have just have to be on call. And it ended up coming in on 3.30 in the morning. I remember waking up and hearing it, and I got up. Evan got up, DP, Cortland, who plays Mark Hill, got up, uh, and we were just out in the forest. The sun came up. We had the drone in the air. We had a lot of our B unit, second unit type of setup, a very small crew, and went out and picked up a majority of the the opening of the film. Um, got a lot of really great photography and then chased that storm all day. It, it, it came hard in the morning, kind of took a pause. And then that's when everybody else got to set and we were rehearsing the first scene. A lot of what you see in the trailer and right when we were in the middle of rehearsals, the snow, like it was crazy. We were out there in the middle of the forest and it was quiet. And then all of a sudden it, it sounded like the wind punched the trees. Like you could hear like, and you were like, what was that? And all of a sudden, like snow started coming down. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, is that camera ready? And they were like, yeah, I was like, let's go. And so the snow started falling and we shot through an entire snowstorm, the whole bow and arrow sequence um, and everything that kind of leads up and after it and kind of goes in. And, and it was great. I mean, like after not knowing whether or not we were going to have snow uh, to get caught in the middle of a snowstorm was perfect because it 
exemplified kind of Jason's arrival. The storm kind of like peaked as we got to shooting all the Jason stuff. So that's when it really got exciting for us. And we knew that we kind of, we lucked out big time. Awesome. So other than snow, what were some other challenges that you faced filming this time around? Um, this time there wasn't um, a safety net. So with Never Hike Alone, we could go up with five people and get tons of footage. I mean, I put 25 minutes of footage together with just a crew of about five to six people. Um, and then the other half of that film was made with a full entire crew. Well, every scene in this film is made with a full entire crew. So we didn't have the chance to be like, okay, we got reshoots or we can do this. It was, we had six days to shoot on our budget and we shot six days. And luck for us, we finished the week before COVID shut everything down. So if we had messed something up, if we had to go back and get something, we wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. Um, so I think that like, this time around we were much more prepared and focused um mm -hmm. and it took a lot more prep to make sure that we didn't do anything along this way we were like oh we have to go reshoot this scene or go do these pickups we actually were on top of it for this time um and kind of made it a more efficient set which was really really cool um other than that it was i mean it was really it was really uh cold um we were shooting through nights shooting through different types of weather uh, there's lots of, uh, one of the spaces that we shoot in is really cramped and we don't know if we're going to fall through the floor of the cabin. So we have to kind of like keep, there was like, we're literally, I'm like, how many people are up on this floor right now? I need, I need to lose two people, get off the ceiling, like go downstairs <laughs> before we all end up like breaking the set. So yeah. it was like, you know, there's always those types of things on set that you got to keep an eye out for. But I don't know this one for, for all that stuff. It was, um, it was a nice compact production and we were able to kind of shoot it out in the time that we needed to. Awesome. So what was it like working with uh, Vinny Gustafaro on the set? Uh, Vinny's a man. Uh, I got to sit in his uh, acting class for a year and a half, two years while we were preparing, preparing for this before we made the announcement. Um, so I've seen Vinny work in a, very, a variety of different ways and having him on set. Like I always see him in class, but having him on set, it was just so cool to just see him, you know, acting. And just like, cause he's such a seasoned pro and he brought a lot back at Rick Cologne. He's, it, it's not, um, you know, we talked about Rick and he's not as simple as he was when he was kind of in part six where he was just the sidekick and he was always hot and heavy like this, this is Rick the sheriff. So he got to be yeah. a little bit more uh, complex in this and he's got to, you know, talk to people in town and do some investigating and, you know, and then he's going to meet up with Tommy Jarvis and you start to see how Tommy brings out the Rick in him. And I think that's kind of the fun journey for their, their story in this, in this entry. Um, yeah. And just, you know, it's nice to see Vinny and Tom back together on screen, which is a really cool uh, to have them reunited and kind of reignite their rivalry. Um, and just, you know, what Vinny just brought like a really, like he was very excited when he was on set. It was really cool to see him out there. So we had him out there for uh, the first weekend and then the second weekend, those his his shooting days. And, um, yeah, he was like a kid in a candy store out there. He was happy to be back on set and, um, it was just good to have him out there. And he was just, you know, when I had it, he was like, all right, Vin, you're ready. He's like, oh yeah. And he's just like getting all excited to be out there and, and acting. So it was cool to see him out there and doing his thing. The trailer for never hike in the snow really displays some next level footage compared to never hike alone. What were some of the changes you made behind the scenes to step up the quality? Um, one change was that, uh, Evan Butka moved up from, uh, camera operator to the director of photography. Uh, Evan and I, um, I don't know, we just developed a chemistry kind of off when we were, when we were down on some other projects and even on never hike alone. Uh, and he brings such an arsenal to the, 
to the game when, when we go out and shoot. So he has his red camera. And instead of like Never Hike Alone, where we were renting other cameras and we shot with about four or five cameras in the whole shoot over the span of 18 months. Like here we are in one camera, one rig, one setup. We know how it works. We don't have to play guessing games. Um, he has an entire crew behind him. Some of those people are from Never Hike uh, Alone, like Matt Richardson, who was our first AC on Never Hike Alone, was also our, or, our gaffer on Never Hike Alone. He was our first AC on this. He was also first AC on Pathosis. Um, and then, you know, we bring in the rest of the crew there. And I think overall it was, you know, that also me studying two years on a TV film set and watching kind of uh, different types of setups being used and how they were executed and how we could do that. Same thing with Evan doing high level, uh, he was work doing, uh, work for Euphoria on HBO and, and different stuff. So we kind of went off and worked on our own skill sets and came back with a better knowledge about, you know, how to tell story with camera. Um, I had this thing visually mapped out pretty well uh, into pre-production, um, and I mean, I pitched the I pitched what we did to Evan like a year and a half ago, when I was like, this is how we're going to make this film, and this is the opening sequence, and it was all that it was kind of already all laid out. Um, but now it was going to be nice to shoot it all at the same camera with a high, you know, we were shooting 8K, 6K, so we could reposition footage and do some funky things like those Dutch angles, and you know, really get. Um, do some fun things with it in post that really bring out like new dynamic technology and make Jason look even cooler in uh, mo modern technology. Yeah, that you definitely achieved that. <laughs> so <laughs> do you have any future plans to integrate more Friday alumni cast into your film universe? Um, I mean, in the overall universe of everything we're working on. Yeah. I mean, we've reached out to different people like, um, I can't name any names, but we've added names to other projects mm -hmm. that um, that are pretty cool that want to go there. For as far as Never Hike Alone in this series, right now it's really just Vinny, Tom, and uh, Vinny and Tom. Um, Doug Tate is still on the table to come in to play Jason if the schedule lines up and we can raise the budget for that. Um, but I'm open to other cameos as long as they're in the right place. But our focus is really just story and kind of hitting some specific characters and following what the map we kind of laid out for, for Never Hike Alone as a series. Um, but there's also other things that we want to do. We, I mean, Never Hike Alone is like, that's the story of now. And there's other stories like Pamela's story and other things in the past and flashbacks and time periods that I think in the long, long term, we'd love to do and explore at some point. Um, where we could also have some other things. I mean, there's a lot to explore. I mean, I would love to work with more alumni, but for now, I think we're pretty we're pretty locked in, and I think we're pretty well covered. Awesome. So once again, you crushed crowdfunding goals with the Final Call campaign. Do you have any mm -hmm. plans for more Never Hike in the Snow related campaigns, like such as Blu-rays or T-shirts? Yeah. So as we move forward, we have Never Hike again. That's the next episode. So we really want, um, you know, the first thing we want to do is let people see Never Hike in the Snow. We want to let that stand on its own. You know, people understand that this is a prequel, that this is a pilot episode, that this leads into three more episodes. So you're getting episode one in a series. So this is going to have its own series, like own episode arc, and you're going to go from a front to a, a, a back, but there's going to leave you with some questions that we want to answer along the way. And we're setting it up to relate to Never Hike Alone. We're trying to create this world around Tommy Jarvis so you understand it when we go back and meet him. Um, and, you know, overall, we want to show some really cool stuff with Jason, too. Um, you know, ultimately, with this with this short, we were trying to do some really cool things in the snow with Jason, but at the same time, add to the Never Hike Alone story. Yeah. So we kind of did both of those things. We're having fun in the snow, but we're also adding to our old 
So we, you know, adding so it means something. And this will lead into the next episode. And with that next episode, we'll run its own Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. And in that Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign, we'll have second edition Blu-rays, VHSs, other things of that nature at that time to help raise the funding for Never Hike Again. And we'll do pre-orders for Never Hike Again on Blu-ray um, and VHS and things like that, just like we would Never Hike on the Snow. And for each episode, it will continue to follow like that. We'll make previous editions ready for reprints just awesome. to help us raise the funding for the next episode until we get to the end. And then hopefully we just continue building a fan base and those, you know, crowdfunding numbers keep going up. We can keep them at a manageable price. So no one feels like the funds are being misused or if rights holders are saying, okay, you guys are raising too much money. We'll figure out what their limit is. We'll work whatever they have for constraints for us. We'll listen and we'll try to take our story and say, okay, if we're only allowed to raise $50,000 a time for shooting, uh, then, Hey, then let's make it from this point to this point, and that's $50,000. The next 50000 covers it from this point to this point. And right now we have it split up in three different ways, which it's not $50,000 each time. The first one's fifty, but that means we got to raise 100 Yeah. Next one's probably 100 which means we need to raise 150 And so it kind of grows in that exponential rate. And when you look at that from a standpoint of being at the beginning of this journey and seeing that we only raised $20,000 on the first campaign, well... It's a long, it's been a long journey, but now we got to a hundred and that allows us to make this. So this is a great 25 minute piece. Like it's like a filet. It's like, it's not a giant piece of, of meat, mm -hmm. but what's there is good. And it's all the good stuff. There's no fat. Um, you know, we think it's different. We think it brings our brand of Friday to the screen and something that's new and refreshing for fans. It gives you something to think about, um, but it gives you some cool base and action too. And then it will continue on. And we want to be able to continue that on. And with a small number of people, that's going to be really hard. And it's really hard to ask people, especially in this time, to, to give so much. But if lots of people just give a little bit, like our credits are only five bucks. Mm -hmm. I, I look at other independent films on, online. You can't get a credit for $5. I'm sorry, you just can't. But guess what? We have over 2,000 backers now. Actually, I think it's over 2,200. And it'd be great if all Friday the 13th fandom united and got together because it's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of fans, tens of thousands, hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands. So there are millions out there. You know, that might be too much at five bucks a pop, but hey, that would allow us to do what we need to do. And we'll do whatever we need to comply with whatever the rights holders need to do, mm -hmm. just as long as we continue to make the material. And that's what we're focused on is just continuing to make material. Fans entrust us with these investments and it's upon us and our responsibility to give them something back, to give them these episodes, to give them their perks. And so that's what we've been working on for the last two years. And, you know, we got funded last year and we ended that campaign in March. We got most of those items out aside from the Blu-ray, which obviously we can't release mm -hmm. until the film's done, but that's all happening this year. And so, you know, we have a list of over, wow, uh, like 1,300 uh, pre-orders for the Blu-ray from the last campaign. And so now we've added an additional like 200 or 300, maybe more. So that's, I mean, I opened up this campaign as a catch-all just to say, I know that the, the, the trailer would shake more people loose to be like, oh, okay, I didn't know what was going on before with this. The music video didn't really sell me. Oh, okay. Jason in the snow now, and now I want him now. I couldn't handle all those emails. So I built this just to be like, here, here's, here's where to go to make the quick order. So I don't have to enter 5,000 emails and it's like up to 550 people or something like that, which I'm so glad I did this because I can't imagine what my inbox would have looked like uh, if I didn't. So 
we're only doing it for two weeks. It's a short span. It was only a $500 goal just to allow extra orders. Um, and this is helping not only with ship more orders and stuff like that, but now we can do some pre-production. I'll never hike again because uh -huh. we have a lot of construction work to do on the original camp to bring it back to where it was. So this is actually going to help us pay for our set. Um, and that will not have to be included in our next budget, which can go more into the film. And maybe we can make those scenes a little bit longer and have an extra day on. So there's lots of good things that are going to come of this. And we're going to turn it around and turn it into product for the fans. Awesome. So uh, just a friendly reminder that the YouTube viewers can comment and it will pop up in the chat the same as the Facebook viewers. So uh, yeah, yeah. See it. lots of love in the comment <laughs> section. So what is your favorite story from the set of Never Hike in the Snow? Oh, um, from this year, man, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if I can tell them yet because there's so many things I okay. got to keep secret. Um, okay. And the, I'm trying to think of something that's, that's just kind of there. Um, oh, here's, here's a good story. And this is the one that the fans love to, uh, not the fans, some of the crew really like. We were actually waiting to shoot, starting shooting one day. And it was a day where I was playing Jason. So I don't know of those of you who know this, but I share Jason with Brian Forrest and that's Brian Forrest in the trailer. I'm not taking any credit for that. Brian was in, on, in costume that day because it was snowing and because I had to be behind camera and guide this thing. We couldn't miss a minute. So I couldn't be jumping behind camera and watching takes. It was to just let Brian do it and I'll, I'll jump it tomorrow. And so it was my turn in the costume that day. And I was sitting on the back of the grip truck uh, waiting for the rest of the crew to show up. And all of a sudden, like a family of tourists came into the, the park that we had all these signs up that said, we're shooting, we're shooting. Don't come in here. Don't come here. And they park right in the middle of our set. Uh, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to see this car in the background of these shots. And I'm just like, God damn it. And so like, I walk over there and like Jason costume, like all pissed off. I'm like, Hey, you're on a movie set. And they looked at me like, Holy shit. <laughs> and then like my, my, my producers swoop in and they're like, Oh, wait, there's signs. You can't park here. And these people, argued with my producer for like 20 minutes about how we couldn't keep them out of there even though like that's part of where the money went was paying for this parking lot so we could set yeah. everything up here and shoot um so that was the thing but yeah just like having to produce while wearing the jason costume that happened uh and it was pretty funny and everyone was laughing at me because i was pretty heated because i'm like god damn it like we're about to shoot and i gotta <laughs> argue with people like i shouldn't have to do that type thing and then finally, you know, we got over it. We got our days and we, we got our shots and then, uh, and then we moved on. So rumor has it, uh, that NHA gets a mention in the upcoming Friday the 13th box set. Can you comment on that? Yeah. Um, Vinny and Tom went back into uh, the studio to record commentary, uh, Tom Matthews and Vinny Glostafara. And I believe it came up. So I think that, um, Tom McLaughlin, I think he mentions his Jason Never Dies sequel about that set in snow. And I think Tom and Vinny talk about uh, Never Hike in the Snow and their experience on set. And then also, I think Tom's experience with Never Hike Alone and kind of the impact that it has. So it's cool to kind of get like a nod and a mention um, from those guys and you know, get inching a little bit closer to, to that Friday yeah. the 13th kind of, kind of world and being a part of it. Can you talk about your experience with working with the Jason rising boys and is Carl just as lovely in person as he is on the internet? Yes. Carl and James are the sweetest. They, every time they bring me up there, it's always just a bundle of hospitality and they're always like, can we, you know, can we do anything for you? And it's just like, guys, like, let's just hang. And like, I just have so much fun hanging out with them. Cause it's just like hanging out, you know, just good friends. And, you know, we're working on this film together and it really has that camaraderie. 
Um, they got a lot of things working for them. Um, they have a lot of challenges with with COVID, kind of slowing down their production and and stuff like that. But they're, I mean, they send me these clips like all the time, and like, or they send me like screenshots and pictures. And they're like, look what we did this week with like a toothpick. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what dude, what are you doing over there? Where did you build that? How did you build that? I'm like, can I get one? Like, I'm always like, want like baffled by like how much work they're able to put in it like in between working full-time jobs and like raising families and, and all that fun stuff so you know i'm really excited for them because i think that they got something special going on uh we jump online every now and then and do some cutting or you know they, like i said they bring me up we do some shooting in fact that's where i was when covid um when covid hit i was in portland and i was helping them out and we were just kind of watching it all unfold. I mean, it was kind of like questionable for me to even travel because it was getting to that point. It was like, oh, you know, we might have to. And I was just like, yeah, this is just another bird flu. And I just kind of like went and we were working in, in, in James's set where he has it um, on, on a family property up there in, in Washington. And we were like, it's just baffled. Everything started shutting down. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back to LA. They never ended up shutting down the airports, but um, I did get back. It was a ghost town when I got back. Mm-hmm. And I've just been home ever since, you know what I mean? And so it, it, I'm kind of like, I feel bad because I kind of missed out on, on the last opportunity to do some Jason Rising stuff with them. But we did end up building a good part of the set that they needed. And I know they've used it in some of those scenes that they've shot since. And they're getting ready to shoot some more stuff and then wrap up in the spring. So I'm excited. And, um, you know, it's as the as the fan films really start to unfold out after us, um, it's going to be really cool to see what everybody's going to bring to the table, what what sensory uh, they're going to like kind of get jazzed up and, and Friday the 13th fans, depending on what portion of the franchise they're focused on and the types of stories that they want to tell. So it's going to be cool. There's going to be a variety of films over the next year and a half. And I think that's going to be fun for the fans, no matter what, while we sit around waiting for the lawsuits, just, I don't know, either disappear or settle up or what's going on and who knows how long it's going to take them to develop a new film for the theaters. You know what I mean? So other than previously mentioned, what are some other projects that you're working on or will be working on in the future? Well, let me see. Let me run down the list. So we we completed those this last year and put that through the through the festival system. We see this weekend we won uh, best horror short as part of Genre Blast. Congratulations! Big, big deal for us. Like Genre, Genre Blast is, is a real great festival, uh, and we're extremely honored for that. My good friend Austin Boning directed that. He's one of our directors here at One Stop Films, and that's his first film. So. There you go. Austin, Austin won his first award uh, with his first thing. So that's, we're really proud of him. Um, as far as Womp Stomp goes, we have another uh, project called Ghost Chicken. And that's an animated uh, horror short that I wrote. Uh, has been going around the festival circuit as a script. And now we're storyboarding it. We're going to animate it for next year. That's one of our next original projects. We'll probably be back for crowdfunding on that. Uh, we're also associated with Dylan's New Nightmare, a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fan film based on mm-hmm. Wes Craven's New Nightmare that follows uh, uh, Miko Hughes returning as Dylan Porter uh, and playing adult Dylan Porter and Freddie trying to come back into the real world. And and do what he did all those years ago, now taking advantage of uh, the adult Dylan and his fears as an adult. So it's really looking forward to that one. I'm working with Cecil Laird from that horror show, been kind of guiding him. Uh, That was another show that was delayed due to COVID. So we'll be probably shooting it next spring. We've been adding a lot of cast to that, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Dave McRae is gonna be playing uh, Freddy Krueger. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with Dave, but he's a great voice talent um, out of Canada. And one of the reasons why we can't shoot is because no one's allowed to travel in or out of Canada or the United States. So yeah, thanks. That really helped. 
Um, and so we're just kind of like waiting for that to clear up. Um, I've been attached to a feature film called The Kindness of Strangers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's supposed to be my directorial debut for a feature film. Uh, we've been working on that for a year and a half with my manager, Gavin Dorman. He's also producing it. Um, I work with writer Ian Bush on that. Uh, we took his script and kind of worked on it for the last year and a half and, and got it into really good shape. And we're excited about bringing it out, getting it financed and shooting it hopefully early next year. Um, and then, of course, we got everything else coming up with with Never Hike Alone and, and all the things we want to do there. And then one other thing that I'm looking forward to in the near future is, um, well, two things. One is 13 Fanboy. Mm -hmm. I keep forgetting that I went down and helped out with that, and that's almost out. Um, helped with Heart of Darkness. I'm sure your viewers know a lot about that. I was able to contribute a um, an interview for that, and I'm really excited to see how it comes out because I've heard Adam's story, and I can't wait to see it in uh, documentary form. And then, well, I don't know, I'm just like, I, oh, uh, and then my good friend of mine, Ben Meredith, who's a director of photography uh, for Wallstomp Films, wants to step into the directorial role and do a Event Horizon uh, fan film called Horizons, Ooh. which we've been working on behind the scenes. And he's been working on some cool space effects. Um, so he's been working on that, and that's a good one. I'm actually going to act in that one. I'm going to be helping out Cortland Gordon in a couple weeks with a Halloween fan film. I'm returning to play The Shape. Ah. Uh, Michael Myers. Yes, I did it for Renee Revis and Spirit of Haddonfield. I did it for Stephen Wolf for The Face of Michael Myers. And now in 2020, I'm going to step back in to the Myers costume in, in next week. And we're going to have some fun up in Michigan with Cortland and his Oddest of the Odd crew. Um, and yeah, we're getting ready. I mean, I'm just we're busy. I mean, it might be COVID times, but we've been putting our nose at the grindstone and getting more projects ready. And we can't wait. We've got a lot of really fun stuff coming out in the next two, three years. Awesome. So before we get to viewer questions, let's show the trailer mm -hmm. for uh, never hike in the snow. All right.
There you go, guys. So a quick, quick note. Anybody who says zigzag this winter, I want you to go and run zigzag patterns in the snow and see how you do. (laughs) I just want to see it. Just film them, put them on TikTok, and I want to see the the zigzag challenge for everybody who's going to do Barry Sanders juke moves in the in the snow to avoid getting shot <laughs> every time i see him I'm like who does he not know i'm running in the snow like have they ever tried he's really running forward yeah <laughs> like so, so a couple funny. uh viewer questions for you vin so with sure. knowing that nha actually takes place after part eight jason takes manhattan relative to a timeline how and why did jason make his way back to his home is this a definitive branch from slash into the franchise yeah, I mean, that's part eight. I mean, that it, what I wanted to do was I felt that like when Friday, the th- as a fan, I felt that when Friday the 13th shifted to New Line, Friday the 13th shifted and everything that we kind of knew and loved just went out the window and it was just something new and it, and it was something new every single time. And we've been waiting for this film that really connected us back to whatever through line it was that carried us through all that faulty logic. Like there was just one single thread that kind of like wrapped it around for everybody kind of in a common theme. And I wanted to try to get back to that like core value. And so I thought that like as goofy as seven and eight are in some places and in some way, shapes and form, I just wanted to treat them as events. Like I didn't want to take them too seriously. I just wanted that they happened and that, that that's what that Jason did in that time. And I don't have any control over it, but this is what happened now. And I think that for Jason, Crystal Lake is his home, whatever supernatural entity or power or thing keeps him wandering. This earth is a beacon that calls him home when he gets too far. And that's all he did. And however long it took him, if it took him a year, if it took him two years, um, if it took him two weeks and he just kind of swam backstroke all the way back to Crystal Lake, right up the river, back into their thing, whatever it was, <laughs> eventually he made it back, but he was injured and he was, you know, the defeated monster. He wasn't quite dead, but he was as close as you can get for a being of his stature. Mm-hmm. And over this time, he's just learned to keep to himself. And I think that that's ultimately what the 2009 film tried to do. They tried to say that Jason was a, this, person that lived in the woods and kept to himself, even though he broke their own rules about the entire movie. I wanted to do something that played by the rules that said, no, if he was really trying to stay quiet, these are the types of steps that he would take. And in the, also in the world, like Crystal Lake helped him out and never hike alone. You know, Kyle says like, oh, there's this trail's not on a map. This is a wildlife preserve. There's not much information about this place. So that's because it's all been purposefully done. It's been taken off the map. It's been forgotten about. So people won't even look for it. So Jason's been, kind of benefiting from this and being able to like in our music video disappear, like kind of keep to himself and when disturbed, handle it quietly and then go back to, you know, anonymity. And that's all he wants. And, um, and the more people who keep creeping onto his territory, especially in the new age with cameras and GoPros and all this stuff, it's making it harder and harder for him to hide. And I think that's kind of like, part of the theme of what we're trying to say with never hike alone. And then for Jason in the town, it's just like, it's this ticking time bomb. It's Tommy thinks that, that Jason's still out there. Um, you know, he's been out there this whole time. He's got himself some new costume, di- you know, some new costume clothes. He got himself a new mask. And even though it's a new mask to us to see it, it's been on his face for a long time. So whatever Chevron, the designs were on it, they wasted away. There's no damage to it. And it's kind of a fresh start for him. It's this fresh start as, 
you know, quote unquote, ghost Jason, I guess. And it's like he's living more as a ghost than he was as an entity that lives in the woods and kind of like travels around and steals stuff. It's just he made his home in the in, in the camp because no one else goes anymore in our world. Um, and that was kind of like how we wanted to treat it. it was just like, like the Jason that we knew and loved through one through part eight. It was like returning back home to that Jason and seeing where he's been all these years. And we've been missing out on him just as much as like, he's been missing out on us type thing. We were like, no, I want to take, he's been hidden. The Jason that we know has been gone and under things. And, and he has not come back because the studios have brought him back. And I wanted to, as a fan, try to reawaken Jason that we remember as a child, as children. I think that to a certain degree, I was successful and, and not with everybody, but enough people. So I, I think that, that's i think it was worth it so let's take some comments here so what was your reaction to the merkins reviewing the trailer to never hike in the snow oh my god i died <laughs> uh, as soon as i saw freddie i was like oh this is gonna be rough but i loved it i mean bob and good i i kind of want to change the name of the movie now and just just go with that i think we need bob and good t-shirts um I'm, I'm gonna run with it i, I think it's hilarious so Chris Cummel wants to know what's harder speaking roles or method acting like ghost Jason. Uh, speaking roles. There's so much more to control. Um, the, the method kind of non-speaking slasher roles like Jason and, and uh, Michael there, they are complicated, but they're a lot more fun to play. Um, it's, you can you can kind of get it right. But I mean, it's it, when you have to memorize lines and you have to act with other people, um, it's a little, it's way more challenging, um, in, in having a chemistry and making it sound natural. I, I, I find anyway, like I find a little bit more natural to be silent and just be the creature in the costume to come out of that and like interact with people that takes a lot of challenge into a moat. So I definitely, um, I, I like when I get speaking roles, it's a lot of fun and it's a challenge, but it's definitely like, I get more scared about that than I do about putting on a costume and, and kicking some ass. Joe Gallo wants to know if there's any nude scenes planned for Drew. Um, we'll put one in just for him. When he goes in for surgery, we'll have them cut the pants off and we'll just get dong, full dong on screen. Okay, so another viewer question. Do you think Jason using a bow and arrow is off the beaten path of his typical uncalculated brutality? Does it maybe humanize him with showing a slasher finding a means more calculated and precise? I mean, I think that Jason's always done that. He's shot two harpoons. He's hit over someone over there with a guitar. He stabbed someone in the eye with a party horn. Uh, <laughs> he used a, a, a tree saw that I've never seen in my entire life other than Friday the 13th Part 7. Um, you know, and in the first film, arrows were a big part of the kills. It was the Kevin Bacon kill that somehow an arrow went through an entire mattress and a human person's neck with i don't know how they got angle but anyway they did it and it was cool and it was one of the coolest kills in the film right well let's jump over to bill too bill chalked up on the on the door of the of the what's it called the the, the work shed and he's got arrows he's just littered with arrows and so then in 2009 we saw jason use a bow and arrow for somebody riding in a boat for some reason and we saw the end of it but we never saw jason launch the arrow and you know, we had done the axe throw in the previous film and we've seen Jason throw things before. So projectiles and obviously shoot people with guns, uh, the, the harpoon guns. So it was something where I kind of want to isolate a moment of like a character is about to get away. They're closing in on their escape. And then Jason's right there and he's got something that can slow them down for good. And 
um, that moment of trying to get away, like that moment where like all of your survival instincts kick in and everything slows down and all you can think about is just getting to where you want to go and like isolating that moment and Jason being this cold calculated, I mean, Jason has always been calculated. He's taken in the early films, he takes out 12 people without without 11 of them finding out about yeah. the other one <laughs> and he moves quietly through the night and takes people out one at a time now jason's in a different mode jason isn't in the mode where he can allow people to get away because if they get away they're coming back with pitchforks and torches so if someone gets outside the bounds of camp crystal lake just like kyle he tracked him all the way back to that ambulance. And at the end of that movie, he's walking into Crystal Lake because he's like, fuck it, I'm screwed. Like, they know where I'm, I'm out here now, so I'm bringing the attack to them. And Jason is doing whatever he can to keep people from getting away from Crystal Lake. And so if he's going to shoot them with a bow and arrow, he's going to shoot them with a bow and arrow. And he's going to use whatever tools he has at his advantage that he can get from the camp that feel like natural things from the Friday the 13th, 13th environment that can be used practically and have never been seen before. Well, let's do that. You know what I mean? I, was, I couldn't wait to use the bow and arrow. I was surprised it hadn't been used more. Yeah. And so I, I have no issues with him using a bow and arrow. And I think it makes him that much more badass. And, and yeah, this is not... This is not zombie zombie Jason that everyone calls him. This is undead revenant Jason, and he's he's self-aware. He's like part two Jason, but undead. So imagine like the one that kind of lives in the woods and thinks he's still alive with the stuff that's in part six and part eight and part seven that's decaying. It's like a merge of those two characters trying to figure out where the hell they fit in this world. And that's the complexity of our Jason. And we explore that as we tell this story and you see him make some very kind of emotional and human decisions when he does stuff, but you kind of understand where he's coming from now. Awesome. I got a question. Do you have plans on releasing like a super cut when everything's done? Um, I thought about it. I mean, it's definitely in the works as far as like me track it and see if it will work. Like you can go like, you know, never hike in the snow and then that closes and goes to black. And then, um, three months later, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden like opens up with Kyle driving and then that would work into never hike again somehow where like you go to another spot with Tommy and, um, and the way that never hike again opens up and kind of weave that in. But I think, you know, episode two, three, four, the never hike again, Jane takes crystal Lake in the final hike. That's really one movie. That's, that's a parallel movie to never hike alone and never mm -hmm. hike alone acts as like the, Oh, pick up this, um, you know, pick the graphic novel before you go see the movie, understand where this character fits into that timeline. And they, they have their own story and in never hike again, Kyle is in it, but it's all from Tommy's perspective. So all of Kyle's kind of what he goes through happens off screen. I mean, Tommy really only sees him when he first picks him up on the side of the road mm -hmm. and, and they go through that scene. And we'll like hint at Kyle and other scenes, but we're ultimately seeing these series of events leading up to this moment through Tommy, who is still dealing with remnants of Jason's haunting him uh, in present day still and what he does to combat that and the events of never hiking of the snow still weighing on him. So we wanted to set him up a little bit there. So his role in never hiking the snow and the way that he was able to kind of do certain things, um, but ultimately like, the decision that everybody makes and never hike in the snow, they're all going to kind of be feeling weight of it and never hike again as we start to kind of lead them into the next, their next encounter with Jason, not knowing if, you know, when that's going to come and not knowing how soon it actually is come. Awesome. Well, uh, I'd say that that's all we have for today, Vin. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So where can everyone find you on social media and find never hike in the snow and never hike alone? Um, yeah. So if they just find us on online at uh, Womp Stomp Films, W-O-M-P-S-T-O-M-P-F-I-L-M-S. It's on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, but mostly YouTube. If you can get there, you should subscribe, like our content, share it around. And uh, then, of course, on Indiegogo, Never Hike in the Snow, The Final Call, I think NHS, The Final Call, look for that one. Um, and if you have any questions, you should just come to our social media pages or email us at wompstompfilms at gmail.com and we'll send you the link and you can support us there and keep an eye out for Never Hike in the Snow on October 13th. It's a Tuesday before Candyman. We are opening Pixar short for Candyman. So enjoy it on Tuesday and then hopefully you can pick up a really awesome film that Friday on the 17th. Well, thank you for uh, joining me this episode, Ben. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks. Yes. Okay, guys. So this is your host with the motherfucking most, TJ Bowser. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the TJ Bowser Power Hour. Find other great podcasts like this one on projectlouder.net. See you guys next time. Bye bye.